This is WCN. The Whole Care Network. You talk. We listen. Content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. Views and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent views of the Whole Care Network. Always consult your physician for medical and fitness advice, and always consult your attorney for legal advice. And thank you for listening to the Whole Care Network. It's time that we started to wake up a little bit and tap into our awareness about making choices. Choices about things that really connect to our passion and our purpose. We all have our stories, and by sharing them, we can truly show the power of the human spirit. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Gratitude to Latitude, Stories of Resilience and Hope. I can't believe that we're in June, and this is our first June episode. My guest today is a dear friend, John Samnick. John is a former chief counsel of Intellectual Property and Strategic Alliance for the United States Small Business Administration. He is a former entertainment lawyer as well. He's a founder of multiple product companies, Maddie Lou, a leading women's fashion accessory company. And he is a C-level executive coach and has been for more than 25 years. John, thank you so much for joining me today, all the way from sunny California, one of my favorite places, and with the chance to just connect and chat and learn more about you. I'm really excited to be here, Jody. It's a little bit cloudy today, but other than that, it's a perfect day. Well, I'm jealous <laughs> because I am here in New Jersey, but I will get back to you soon. I love to start our podcast with a couple of things. I usually like to start with how we met. And as I mentioned, you are an executive coach, a pivot coach, actually, which is very timely for today. I'd like to talk a little bit about that. But before we go there, I would like to share how we met. And about three years ago, I started receiving coaching information and help and guidance in a community called Build Your Life Resume, founded by Jesse Itzler. And you and I connected that way. And you're one of the coaches there at BYLR. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, that's right. I started in this Build Your Life resume, which we call BYLR, uh, about three and a half years ago. And have met just an incredible group of people who are looking to raise their level, what they say is up level, in uh, different areas of their life. And Jesse is a pretty amazing guy, and he keeps iterating on this build your life resume concept. And so about a year ago, he developed a product, a program called the Big Ass Calendar Club. And that's where I'm a coach. And I feel like that's maybe where we deepened our connection as I got to know a little bit more about you. It's so true. 
I think before I realized that you were a coach, I recognized your ability to be a resource as a person, first and foremost. I recognized that you were someone who enjoys helping others. And so I see exactly why you are part of Build Your Life Resume and how fortunate they are to have you as a part of that coaching Aww. team. <laughs> Thanks. I love it. I, and, and I appreciate you saying that because, you know, service has really become an important part of my life. And I really feel like that's the commonality that we share. I think that's mm. really the place that we connected is I saw how you were living your life. I learned a little bit more about Hope Loves Company, your nonprofit, and your journey. And I just think it's really inspiring the way that you do things. So you've inspired me, even though you're saying that I've inspired you. So I appreciate that. Well, I guess that's why we're great friends. <laughs> we're always connecting and sharing insights and ideas and also seeking guidance and support. And that's what friends do. Absolutely. Love it. How I can tell you how I met Jesse. I met Jesse because he and I gave our TED Talk on the same stage in North Carolina three and a half years ago. And I was immediately smitten with this high energy, authentic personality. How did you meet Jesse? How did you get to be a part of this platform? Well, so two different questions. So I'll tell you how I met Jesse. I don't remember the exact day, but we were in the same second grade class together a couple of decades ago. And because you used to live in New York. Correct. I'm from Long Island. We're from the same hometown. So that was really the earliest memory that I have is we became really close friends when we were like seven years old. And, Did and you then we're together. <laughs> Did we exchange, exchange lunches? Did you exchange goodies from your lunch pals? <laughs> That's a great question. I wish I could remember that. I don't think we did. In fact, I'm almost certain that we didn't because my mother used to like to give me tuna sandwiches. And that is really not what people want to trade into. No. It's what they want to trade out of. Jesse would have wanted your fruit, your bananas and your fruit, and um, definitely not the tuna. Well, that was a good way to keep everyone from wanting your lunch is to have those tuna fish sandwiches. Yeah, including me, by the way. <laughs> and then, your, yeah, and then your, your second question was, how did I kind of come into the program? And that's really interesting because Jesse has this big life and he has all these accomplishments. And I've certainly been following him, someone I grew up with and cheering him on. And he started to write some books. And then all of a sudden, he just kind of announced on Facebook that he was doing this, creating this community. And he was going to be speaking like every week or every other week at that time over Zoom, audio only. This is like three and a half years ago. And I just said to myself, whatever he's doing, I just want in. Mm. I, I know that it's not going to be bad for me. And I know that it'll likely be great for me. And very challenging. And so I had no expectations and just kind of jumped in. And the more I heard about really what his philosophy was, what had worked for him, I knew that there was a lot for me to gain. And I think a lot of the community felt the same way. And so there's a core group of people who started then who have continued through and 
we've all created some really nice friendships out of that experience. I absolutely love the platform and you're just an example of why I love it. In addition to Jesse, of course. So I'm glad that we did meet through that (laughs) platform and I am not going anywhere for sure. So we mentioned that you grew up with Jesse in New York, in Long Island. And I like to go back because I think that a lot of who we are is very evident when we're children. And then somewhere along the journey, we lose the creative or the inspirational side of us because someone says, well, you can't draw or your voice isn't so great. Or is there anything about your childhood that prompted who you are now as a coach? Any experience when you look back? Yeah, so great question. And these are the types of questions that I use myself when I'm working with clients because the brain is really adapting and we're developing belief systems and habits and role modeling at that very tender age of like somewhere between like four and 10 is where I feel like things can go right and things can also go really wrong. And so I do do a bit of exploration with that with my clients. But I think in terms of coaching, I I grew up with parents who were really, they always wanted to do the right thing. They always wanted to help people. My mother is a helper. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the community knows her. She's just has that personality and that energy and I think I have, I think I have some of that myself. My I was dad going to say, the a, apple doesn't <laughs> fall far from the tree. Thank you. And, and my dad had a little bit different approach. He was a little bit maybe less sociable in certain respects, but he was also a big joke teller and he had, he was a lawyer. And so I was also spent many years as a lawyer. So followed in those footsteps. But I think just this idea of, helping people is something that I must have gotten from my parents at an, at an early age. And then it was nurtured along the way through various mentors and, and other good examples. Well, coaching is such an important role. So I thank you for recognizing that and for being a person of service because, you know, there's, there's a huge honor in that role and there's a huge responsibility. And Absolutely. as a man of integrity and someone who I respect, it makes me happy to know that you're out there helping others. Uh, yeah, I, I, I take it seriously, or I should rather say I take it sincerely. I try not to take it seriously because I like to have fun around it. But I also, I think I've developed, through, again, through my own personal transformation, which is like a whole other journey, that people need support they need help. It's hard for people to reach out around that. It's hard for people to admit and be vulnerable and say, hey, this isn't working and I'd love for you to help me. If that moment should come, I'm ready. Like that's the important part for me is I'm ready to take action when someone is ready to be coached. And they have to be ready. They have to be ready. I've tried to coach people who just wanted to know the answers and that's not a good coaching uh, approach. There are what we say answer coaches and then there are question coaches. And I think that there are a lot of coaches and people out there who are well-meaning, 
well-intended, have good hearts, who want to give people the answer because they see the road, they see the path. And it can create some issues when you do that. So I prefer to work with people, ask deepening questions, allow them to make discoveries, and then help them guide them along the way. Because what are they going to do outside of our coaching session? They can't keep calling me up and say, John, what do I do now? John, what do I do now? I don't want to create that codependent relationship. So I'm trying to create some independence, empowerment, things like that by not answering all the questions. And I, I wouldn't pretend, by the way, to know the answers to all the questions anyway. Well, I think asking questions, that's hard work. Answering the questions that maybe frighten us or scare us or leave us wondering, I think that's part of, that's definitely part of coaching, but I think that's part of the challenge of someone who may not be ready because maybe they're not ready to answer those tough questions. That will lead to answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people think they're ready or they say, I just want to work on this, right? (laughs) And then then you you find out that's actually not the issue, right? That might be the thing that they want to work on, but that's not the issue. And so just for people who are thinking about working with a coach, I think the world of coaching has changed dramatically in the last 20 years. I think before that, I think it was very unclear. People would just kind of hang out a shingle and call themselves a life coach or this coach or that coach. And there wasn't a lot of great training. Certification is still an issue in that it's not required. And it doesn't need to be required. You don't, you don't need a certification to be wise, to be able to give guidance. But it does help to learn what you're doing. And I, I have my own coach. And that person has really uh, changed my approach in the sense of asking those deepening questions, not trying to answer everything, which is my, I think, my inclination, right? You see something and you want to go in and fix it. But really just asking those questions has opened up clients into areas that I think they've been waiting for someone to ask them. Well, I appreciate you sharing that you have a coach because I'm a coach. I'm a wellness and empowerment coach, and I also have a coach. And it's a good reminder that coaches need coaches, right? We're all in this, and <laughs> life is hard. And and yeah. speaking of which, I you are the pivot coach. So I want to bring this up because how many businesses and people right now are pivoting? Yeah, it seems like everybody, right? I mean, I know yes. that I am. <laughs> and I know that I've been. And yeah, so I have this brand called The Pivot Coach. And I wanted to make it personal to me. Instead of just saying John Samnick Coach, I wanted to give people a sense of how I approach transformation, how I approach coaching. And I've made all these pivots. I mean, you, you referenced a couple of these jobs that I've had in the introduction where I was a lawyer for many years and, you know, worked in the entertainment field and music and we're going to get to that. (laughs) Yeah. Even before that, I wanted to be a writer. And then, so so I, I know that I haven't taken this traditional, just find your lane and then just drive hard in it. And I think the world is really changed when it's, when it comes to that. I think people used to have one profession, like I'm a teacher, 
And then you're a teacher until the day you retire. You're 35 a lawyer, years. You're a lawyer. Right. Yeah, until the day you retire. And we're not really operating like that anymore. And then you throw in a global pandemic. Then you throw in all of these other things. And what people thought that they had, they may have, that may have changed overnight. And so people do need help and guidance to be able to figure out what their next move is if they want to tap into that thing that really gets them out of bed in the morning. Now, you can have a job and you can have that job forever and have it bring you no happiness. And it's time that we started to wake up a little bit and tap into our awareness about making choices, choices about things that really connect to our passion and our purpose, as opposed to someone suggested that you should be this type of person. And then you just did it for 30 years until you woke up one morning and said, why am I doing this? I think that pivoting right now is a huge topic because COVID gave us, I know it's a horrible situation, but it also gave us the opportunity to rethink how we do things. And as you mentioned, it's a wake-up call for some people. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the big silver lining in this. I mean, it's it wasn't a shutdown, it was a pause. And how many people even take time in their day to pause, to experience silence, to just breathe, <laughs> to be with themselves and to understand kind of what their role is in the world and are they making active choices every day? And I think it's really beautiful just for that. Of course, it's horrible on, in, in many other ways, yes. but it's a moment in history that I feel grateful to be alive for. If, if we're lucky enough to say that this is the only time that this has ever happened, I mean, wow, we were alive during this. I mean, the history books will write about this forever. Right. Absolutely. I know, I'm sure many books are being penned because it was a history, a, a time in history that brought about, yes, so many losses and so many challenges, but it also has inspired us to think differently. And I can see how people will be utilizing your services to pivot professionally, personally, and as, an, as a whole business. I know Thank so you. many people who are talking about this now. My yeah. friend's retiring because of COVID from teaching, right. as you said, 35 years of teaching and she's retiring and she's like, I want, there's so many other things I want to do. So I know that coaching is an aspect of what you do and who you are, but I also know that you have a very important role as a volunteer in California. We have that in common as well. So I want to recognize and thank you for that service and, and ask you to share a little bit about that. Thanks. I love talking about this. So about two and a half years ago, I became a volunteer co-leader for grief counseling for a nonprofit here in Los Angeles that is dedicated entirely to grief. And I think it's an area that most people, not you, but most people would shy away from. When I told people that that's what I was doing, that's where I was going to volunteer my time, the first reaction was, wow, that's so hard. 
why would you do that? And I think service is really meaningful when, when it becomes not about you, when it becomes about others. It becomes about the community. But I think partly I did it for, to learn more about myself. Mm. Maybe open my heart a little bit more where the maybe sometimes we close our hearts when things get challenging, emotional, scary, and nothing it, it, it nothing ticks those boxes like death. But now we can grieve in a lot of different ways. There's been a lot of grieving, and there will continue to be grieving for many, many years out of this pandemic, loss of job, loss of identity loss of friendships all without people dying I'm talking about loss and of death dreams is a whole loss of dreams yeah i mean there's there there are so many different ways and reasons and situations that can create grief it's really any type of loss but the grief that we focus on during the grief sessions the grief counseling sessions uh, that i run is around death and so it could be death of a child, it could be death of a spouse, death of a parent, or death of just someone very, very close, death of a sibling. And so when I started to do the work, it was a revelation, and it continues to be, to be able to hold space for people as they unburden and unload, and there's a lot of tears, and there's a lot of confusion about who am I now that my spouse you know, has died and, and my parent, who I was a caretaker for, is gone. What do I do? The idea is not, again, we're not giving answers in those situations. We're just creating a space where group members can talk to each other and find their tribe, people who are going through something similar. And it's, it's beautiful work, and I, I love to do it. It's important work. It's life-changing work. As someone who was widowed at 35, just knowing someone will listen and listen with compassion and understanding and comfort when you are in facing the most difficult time in your life is a gift. And this podcast is called Gratitude to Latitude. And what that means is that when we're grateful for things, even the simplest things, that we grow that we grow and expand, we learn, we recreate. And I think that that experience has enabled you to grow. And 100%. so in many ways, you're providing the service, but in many ways, I'm sure you're, you're receiving so much. Well, I think that that's the case with all types of service, that if you really bring your full self to it, not your ego, not your ego self, not the pretend self, but like your full person, your full attention, then you can't help but grow. You can't help but be better, more compassionate, more understanding, more in touch with the things that really matter to me or you, gratitude. Yeah. So when I'm, when I'm leading a group and maybe those people are there because their parent died, and I'm wondering, well, when was the last time I spoke to my mom? Mm. And am I telling her some of the things that are coming up in the group about these people and their reflections of their parents? So, you know, I'm definitely in it and I'm a, a part of it and I definitely am getting a lot out of it. 
but just maybe in a different sort of way, I suppose. And and I I'll just say this about first of all, you know, you shared that you became a widow at 35, which is a really, really hard thing. Was there a grief support group that you became a part of? Well, there was a group, I believe it was called Hope. And while Kevin was sick, there was also the Well Spouse. However, I went just a few times because I was a young mom. So I really didn't have a support system in place. And that's how I know and why I know it's so valuable to have support. And I think anticipatory grief is just as important. So it's one of the things that I share when I talk to other families, that it's really important to have someone that you can trust and that you feel safe with and comfortable with to share your feelings, your worries, and your concerns, because it's a lot. It's a lot to hold, hold in. And if you don't discuss it, I think at some point it's going to, you're just going to explode. Mm. And so it's better to address it as it's happening than to hold it in. I'm reminded of uh, an interview that David Kessler recently did with the New York Times. David Kessler is kind of one of the main people who writes about grief, and he worked with Elizabeth Kluber ross on her five stages of, of death and dying and five stages of mourning. And he himself lost a child. And in the interview with the New York Times, he talked about how he was watching this documentary one night about Buffalo because he was so in his own grief that he was like, I can't even understand how humans get through this. So I'm going to look to the animal world, the animal kingdom and see what they do. Right. He just needed like a little bit of a shift of mindset, tremendous awareness to be able to, to do that. And what he saw was this documentary on Buffalo who, when a rainstorm is approaching, do not try to outrun the rain. They turn back into it. And I think that that says so much about grief. It says so much about fear, right? It says so much about the way that we live our lives as we're always trying to outrun the thing that we know that we have to face. So I always try to hold that in my mind when I'm going through something difficult or when I know that others who I'm working with are going through something really challenging. Thank you for sharing. That's a beautiful vision for me. And I won't forget that. And I will share that as well. I'm reminded of the fact that we can't help but help ourselves when we help others. We just, it's just impossible to help others and not improve who we are. It feels good. It feels great. It feels really (laughs) great. We're very, very lucky to do what we do. Yeah. You know, I never volunteered before, and it wasn't until I was part of Jesse's group, this, you know, Build Your Life resume group, and he challenged people. He's like, you know, what are you doing for volunteer work? And I was like, what am I doing for volunteer work? You know, we look around and you're like, well, I volunteer around my house all the time. That's not really <laughs> what he was talking about. And so just sometimes that one little thing, just that one comment from someone you care about and respect. That can change everything. And so I actually use that experience to create the title of a podcast that I'm going to be starting in the next couple of weeks called This Is Everything. 
Because we have those moments where our entire life can change if we're just paying attention. So we can have these epiphanies. And then we can have these other more challenging things like we're talking about, death of a spouse, death of a parent. For me, my father died 12 years ago suddenly. And that seemed like everything. I didn't think that I could get through it. So I'm looking to have these types of conversations with people when my podcast comes out soon. You're going to be great. And where will we find that? Everywhere. Everywhere you can find the podcast. Yes. I love it. I love it. So speaking of volunteering, something happened to me when COVID, talking about pivoting in COVID, as the founder of Hope Loves Company, COVID really obviously hurt a lot of businesses as well as nonprofits. And Hope Loves Company took a hit as a nonprofit. And you were the first person to respond to a post that I shared to say that you wanted to help. We are in the process of writing a press release and getting this out. But you said that your company, Maddie Lou, the first thing you did was to send a box of hair tie accessories. And we sent those out in our Hugs of Hope care packages. And just as a reminder, these care packages go out to children all over the United States who either have had or have someone in their lives living with ALS. And we just did a survey and all of the children we serve, 95% of them are caregiving. So these children are Mm. providing help with bathing, dressing, feeding, and sometimes even toileting. So we send these Hugs of Hope care packages out to just say, here's a book about ALS, here's a toy, here's some hair ties, and here's a shirt, and we're here for you. So thank you for doing that. And then please tell my audience what you said. Well, we've been looking for a nonprofit to support for a number of years, and the timing just seemed really right. And I was thinking about this today. It's not just that you are serving this underserved community, but it's in the way that you do it that really moved me because you're so deeply involved. Like you're doing caregiving yourself and you're also trying to take care of this community and this nonprofit. I just thought this is someone who could use a little bit of help, you know, and why not me? Why not us? So on our website, Maddie Lou, M-A-D-D-Y-L-O-O.com, that's my stepdaughter's nickname. We named the company after her many years ago. And so for all purchases through our website, we're sending 10% to you and your company and also a portion of profits from our wholesale side of our business. At one point, we had a very robust wholesale side of the business. That's changed because a lot of stores have closed. But, you know, it's still a very important company for me and my wife, which we founded 10 years ago. And so we're, you know, we're just happy to help support an organization that needs help. And hopefully we can really (laughs) do well for us and well for you. So there's no doubt in my mind that anything that you do, you will do well. And I speak on behalf of all of our team at Hope Loves Company. We thank you for stepping up in our time of need. And we will include the link to both your website as well as Maddie Lou. And 
I know we are running out of time. This has been a great conversation. And I have two more questions. So one is, if you have a quote that you would share, because this is all about stories of hope and resilience, and if there's something that you think would benefit others that you utilize in your own life. So we'll start with that. And then my other question is, I know you are an entertainment lawyer, so I just have to hear about your craziest story. If you're allowed to divulge. (laughs) (laughs) I got to think about that. But yeah, so in terms of quotes, you know, it's really, it is really helpful to rely on the words of people who have come before us, people who we admire, people who lived really incredible lives. And they had some guiding philosophies and principles that we're lucky enough to have. And so there there are a couple of them that come to mind. The first one is, and Abraham Lincoln said this, he said, if we magnified our successes as much as we magnify our disappointments, we'd all be much happier. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. It's really simple. Uh, but it's an important it's an important concept because we just spend so much time focusing on the negative and we don't focus on what we've done. You know, you ask someone if they've had, and this is part of the way that I coach, like, what were your successes today? The first answer is like, none. Well, you got out of bed, right? I mean, usually. And, and even if you didn't get out of bed, I'm sure that there were other things that you were successful around. So just really shifting your mindset into what's real, as opposed to just all the areas that are negative and areas that you can improve in is really... See, that's imp- why people a, need coaches. Is a really important part of coaching. Yes. Thank you. And then this other quote is something that I think about often. And Einstein said, he said, the most important decision we make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or hostile universe. That's all about mindset. It's mindset. It's it's this like, well, am I supposed to be afraid of everything or am I meant to be here, right? That's right. how I interpret it. And I think for a long time, I was like, everything's going wrong. Nothing's going right. But if we treat the universe as friendly to us, then maybe there's an opportunity to see all of the gratitude of of being alive, right? And being here in this in this time in the in, in history, which is an incredible, just an incredible time to be alive. So I, I really think about that, I would say on a daily basis. I do as well. That's so funny. I have a quote up and it says that you were meant to be here at this time in history to do your particular work that your skills good stuff enable you to do. And that has always resonated with me because I feel that way. Yeah. I do feel that way, which makes me excited about life. <laughs> makes me excited too. <laughs> Excellent. In terms of so, your in terms of your other question, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know about crazy, but mm-hmm. you know, I had this part of my life where I was a lawyer for Apple Corps Limited, which is the Beatles holding company. I was a lawyer for the estate of Jimi Hendrix, which were amazing experiences. But I would say the work experience that I had that will never leave me is I was working for AOL and I was on their music team 
And I was based out of New York, and this is in 2001 to 2002. And so I was there. I lived in New York during 9-11, which was this very powerful, of course, experience and put me into grief for, for a very long time. And I wish I had had a support group for grief then. It's one of the things that I was thinking about when I became a, a, a leader of, of a grief group. But there was a moment where a bunch of companies got together, including my company, and wanted to raise money for the families of first responders. And so there's an organization called Robinhood, and they would they would provide all sorts of financial resources and other sorts of resources to all of the families of the firefighters and the police officers who died in 9-11. And so what happened is everybody kind of put their two cents in and there was a concert at Madison Square Garden. And my job, and I read about this in the paper and then brought it to my boss and said, what are we doing? And he said, I don't know anything about this. And I said, <laughs> I'm raising my hand to do this. And so for about Wait, you read weeks, about it in the paper, but you didn't know what you were doing? So I read about this initiative in the paper to do this concert at Madison Square Garden to raise right. money. They called the concert for New York City, which was about a month after 9-11. I read that this was happening, took it to my boss. He had no idea what I was talking about. And I just ran with it. And it was just this incredible experience for those people who, who listened to it or who streamed it. Being at, at Madison Square Garden, which is this incredible venue, I remember I walked in the day before the concert to check on a few things and Paul McCartney was playing to an empty Madison Square Garden except for me. Wow. And I'll just never forget the emotion of that experience and feeling like I did my little part in it. It's always with me and you know, it just I think it's it's a great example that you don't have to wait to be asked to do something important and memorable. Those opportunities always exist. And it would have been just as easy for me to be like, let somebody else do that. But I raised my hand and I thought it was important. And I guess that's that's just an important part of the service approach that I bring to things. You are an upstander and Paul McCartney serenaded you. I I guess you could say that. I guess you could say that. Now we did. It's been said. It's right here in this podcast. How do people get in touch with you, John? Yeah, thanks. So on the coaching side, it's uh, J-O-N at pivotcoach.com. And the website is pivotcoach.com. Like I said, there will be a podcast coming out called This Is Everything, which I'm really excited about. I love the name. Thank you. Thank you. And for Maddie Lou, which is our fashion accessories company, it's M-A-D-D-Y-L-O-O.com. And uh, people can get in touch with us that way. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Stay awesome. Stay in touch. Take care, my friend. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jody. This is WCN, the Whole Care Network. You talk, we listen.